Chapter Fourteen of Cherry and Violet, A Tale of the Great Plague. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Cherry and Violet, A Tale of the Great Plague by Anne Manning. Chapter Fourteen, Riding a Pillion. Dolly and I had spent great part of the afternoon in brushing up and cleaning an old black riding skirt of my mother's, which it was a wonder I had not cut up into garments for the poor. When we had cleaned it with hollands and ironed it nicely, it looked very well, for our house was so airy that our clothes never had the moth. Precisely at the hour named, an old man in purple livery rode up to the door on a grey horse with a pillion. Mark, who was very lively this morning, told me he thought the horse looked like a bolter, but I knew he was only laughing at me. Then he asked me how I meant to mount. I said, with a chair, to be sure. He said, nonsense, and lifted me up in a moment, and arranged my riding skirt as nicely as if he had been a lady's groom. Then he told the old man to be careful of me, but the old coachman proved to be both dull and deaf by reason of great age. So Mark whispered me that he was not afraid of his running away with me, if the horse did not, finishing with, "'Good-bye, Mistress Blower.' I gave him an indignant look and said, "'For shame, Mark, I have not deserved that.' "'Well,' said he, "'I think you have.' And just then the old man jerked the rein of the old horse, which moved off so suddenly that I was fain to catch hold of the old man's coat, and the last glance I had of Mark was a merry one. At first I felt a little bit frightened, but soon got used to my new position, especially as the horse walked till we were off the stones. Still we seemed a long while getting out of London, and we met a great many people returning to it, in carts, wagons, and coaches. At length we got quite out of town, and between green hedges, with trees beyond them that were turning all manner of colours, with only a house here and there, or a wayside inn. At one of the latter we stopped in the middle of the day to rest the horse, and take some refreshment. Then we continued our journey, which lasted till sunset and the latter part of which was mighty pleasant and delightsome, only I was beginning to be a little weary with so much shaken. But when I saw how charming a place the country was, I wondered how people could live in towns, unless on a bridge. At length we turned off the highway into a by-road, shaded with tall trees, which, after a mile or two, brought us to a straggling village. And, says the coachman, Mistress, now we's in Bucklands. Presently we pass the absolutest curiosity of a little old church. It seemed hardly bigger than a nutmeg grater, and hard by it, the old parsonage with three stone peaks in front and a great pear tree before the door. Then we came to a village green, with a clump of large trees in the midst that had seats round them, whereon sat old men while young men played cricket and little boys were setting a puppy to bark at some white geese 
here we came to a great iron gate at which stood a hale hearty-looking gentleman about fifty square-built and not over tall with a good-humoured red mottled face and says he coming up to me as we stopped mistress cherry i'm squire blower i can guess who you are though my brother did not tell me you were such a pretty girl oh the sinner and lifted me off the horse well says he you don't look quite sure that i i i am though certainly not much like nat who was always the beauty of the family ah now you laugh which was just what i wanted my brother said your silver laugh saved his life do you know what he meant by that we were now walking up a straight gravel walk between clipped edges to an old red brick house with stone facings i suppose sir said i after thinking a little he meant that my laughing was as good as silver to him because it saved him the doctor that was it no doubt returns he just such an answer mistress cherry as i expected i see we shall get on very well together though nat is not here to help the acquaintance he has gone to see his old foster mother who is dying people will die you know when they get to eighty or ninety we were now going up a flight of shallow steps with stone balusters which led us into a hall paved with great diamonds of black and white marble and hung about with guns fishing-rods and stag's horns an almanac and king charles's golden rules were pasted against the wall and a stuffed otter in a glass case hung over the great fireplace where a wood fire burned on the hearth before this wood fire was spread a small turkey carpet and on the carpet stood a table and four heavy chairs in one of which sat an old lady knitting the squire bluntly accosted her with mother here's mistress cherry on which she said oh laid down her knitting and looked hard at me first over and then through her spectacles hm says she mistress cherry you are welcome a good day to you pray make yourself at home and be seated so i sat down over against her and we looked at each other very stiff she was short and fat with round blue eyes and a rosy complexion and had a sharper shrewder look than the squire i dare say she's hungry mother says the squire give her a piece of gingerbread or something how soon shall we have supper you are always in such a hurry father to be eaten says his lady forsooth are we not to wait for your brother and without waiting for his answer she took a bunch of keys from her apron string and unlocked a little corner cupboard from which she brought me a slice of rich seed cake and a large glass of wine thank you madam i am not hungry said i poor child you must be returned she rather authoritatively never be afraid of eating and drinking before company as if it were a crime so thus admonished i ate and drank though i would as lief had waited a little are you stiff with your ride says she a little madam said i for i was ne'er on a horse before is it possible cries she bursting out a laughing father did you hear that famous said he and they eyed me as if i were a curiosity do you know now says the squire's lady to me after a while i never was in lunnon 
"'That seems as strange to me, madam,' said I, "'as it seems to you that I should never have been on horseback.' "'It is strange,' says she. "'Both are strange.' "'But now I'll tell you something that is strange,' says the squire, "'since we all seem surprised in one another. "'Do you know, Mistress Cherry?' stepping up behind his wife and laying a hand on each of her shoulders while he spoke to me over her head that this little roundabout woman was once as pretty a girl as you are stuff squire says his lady fact persisted he nay prettier not a word of truth in it says she shaking him off i was all very well nothing more come father here's gatty going to spread the cloth for supper which you'll be glad of but gatty in the first place shew mistress cherry to her chamber she will perhaps like to dress a little you'll excuse my attending you my dear the stairs try my breath i followed gatty upstairs to the prettiest room that ever was when i came down the cloth was spread and the squire's lady signed me to the chair over against her and was just going to say something when crossing between me and the sun i saw the shadow of a man against the wall and knew it for master blowers ah what came over me at that moment to make me so stupid i know not perhaps that saucy saying a marks but whatever it was, instead of my going up to Master Blower when he came in, which he did the next moment, and asking him simply and straightforwardly how he was, I must needs colour all over like a goose, and wait till he came quite up to me, without having a word to say for myself. Ah, Cherry, says he, taking my hand quite frankly, how glad I am to see you. Are you quite well?' and the moment I heard his pleasant voice I was quite comfortable again and felt myself at home for the first time. "'Quite thank you, sir,' said I, "'and I hope you are better than you were.' "'Well, now that civil things have passed on both sides,' said the squire, who had already seated himself, "'come and say grace, Nat, for here's a couple of beautiful fowls getting cold.' well the supper was as pleasant as could be and it was growing quite dusk before the table was cleared yet the squire would not hear of having candles so then his lady desired gatty to carry lights into the green parlour where says she i and this young person will retire and be good enough company for each other i dare say oh i'm a young person am i thought i so i followed her into the green parlour where she settled herself in an easy chair with her feet on a footstool and made me sit facing her now says she the men can prose by themselves and we'll have a cause by ourselves pray child how was it you came to think of nursing my brother so i began to tell her how i went to him in hope of his telling me how to find my father but then she wanted to know how my father came to be missing, so I had to go further back, and then I could not help putting in by the way how good and excellent a man he was, how tender a father, how loving a husband, which brought in my mother. But I checked myself and begged the lady's pardon for entering on that, which I knew could no ways interest her nay let me hear it all says she i like to hear something about your mother 
So then I told her of her holy life and saint-like end, and of Master Blower's invaluable ministrations, which of course interested her a good deal. And, indeed, I saw a tear steal down her cheek, while I kept mine down as well as I could. Then I went on to the plague, and my father's heaviness of spirits, and his going forth and never coming back, and my going in quest of him and all the events of that terrible day, which I could not go over without crying very heartily. She wept too, yet cried, Go on, go on. So then I got to Master Blower and the sleeping watchman, and my getting into the house and going from room to room, and hearing him yawn, which made her laugh, though she cried again when she heard of his praying, and of his sufferings that fearful night and many days after. At the end of all she got up, put her arms about my neck and kissed me. Cherry, says she, you're an excellent creature. Just then a great bell began to ring. That's the prayer bell, says she. We'll return to the hall, my dear. So we returned to the hall, much more at our ease together than when we left it. And there, standing in a row, were half a dozen men and women servants, and the table had candles and a large Bible on it. Master Blower read and then prayed. Had I not been so tired, I could have wished him to go on all night. Then we dispersed to our several chambers, and I had so much to think about that it seemed as though I should never get to sleep. However, I did at last... End of chapter 14